This is What Book Cooked You? I'm Brock Shelley, and thanks for listening. This week, Hannah Alcuff joins me. Her debut, The Weight of Our Sky, is out now. And she calls me from Malaysia, where she lives, and that's important because her book, The Weight of Our Sky, uh, revolves around teenagers growing up around the time of the May 13th, 1969 race riots. And so Hannah talks about uh, what went into uh, writing a book that has so much historic context in it. So listen in. So Hannah, what book hooked you? If you're asking what books made me a reader, the answer to that is a lot of them. Um, I grew up in a house that was filled with books. Uh, I have three older siblings and my parents were also big readers and everybody read something different. Um, So I grew up reading uh, the staple of uh, British colony um, reading materials for kids. So authors like Enid Blyton and Rhoad Dahl were a big part of Mm -hmm. my childhood. Um, But I also quickly moved on to whatever else was available around me. So I read my sister's Nancy Drews and Anne of Green Gables and Little Women and all their Judy Blooms. And then I moved on to my brother's shelf and I read Dragonlance and The Lord of the Rings. And um, my mom's shelves were full of romance novels, which I probably wasn't supposed to read, but I did anyway. (laughs) And my dad's shelves were full of nonfiction, which I resisted for a really long time, but eventually read anyway. So... It's hard for me to pinpoint the one book that hooked me because there were always so many. Like when I think about my childhood, there were always so many different books around the house. Um, In particular, though, what stands out in my memory is a copy of a really battered, like green cover copy of the uh, Thousand and One Nights and an abridged reader version of The Merchant of Venice. I remember reading those when I was really little and just loving the stories that were in them. And were you uh, were you what they would call an advanced reader? Or was it just uh, <laughs> you were a strong reader where you could read uh, books that uh, would be more adult and maybe complex for other kids your age? Probably. Uh, nobody ever actually said that in so many words but um yeah i was probably reading uh at a more advanced level or on more uh, on topics that i maybe wasn't supposed to be reading at such an early age but uh, you know i i ran out of books (laughs) the the easy stuff uh, or the stuff that was meant for kids my age i finished them too quickly um and then I just, I needed more. So so I had to, to scrounge around my house for other books that I could read. Understandable. And because then you were kind of running out of books and trying to come mm-hmm. up with stories, is that sort of what kind of drove you to want to create your own stories? Were you creating your own stories or some fashion of it uh, at that age? I remember trying to write my first short story when I was about seven or eight Um, And I don't remember exactly how that went, but I do remember that there were a lot of talking baby farm animals involved. Um, I don't think it was particularly successful. Um, But uh, yeah, at one point I did want to create my own stories. Um, But, and I think this is a little bit sad, um, living where I live, which is in, in Malaysia, 
uh, I think I recognized at a pretty early age that um, writing fiction wasn't going to be a solid career path for me. Um, I, I, I seem to internalize the fact that um, it wasn't really something you did for a living. It was something you did for fun um, and that you probably couldn't make money or a respectable career out of writing fiction. Um, and so as as I got older, I sort of switched and that that passion for words and decided that I was going to be a journalist um, because that was legit, like that was sure. a legit profession that I could actually do here. And so then, <laughs> as you uh, as you grew up, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, you kind of maybe went the journalism route, or but were books mm-hmm. uh, throughout maybe your training, your schooling, your beginning to work in that field, were books always still very important for you? Books were always incredibly important for me. Um, I loved reading. Um, I I still do. Um, I just don't have as much time maybe nowadays. But um, I, I loved to read. Still, um, books were still incredibly important. Uh, and I just I just never thought of myself as a person who wrote books, who would be writing books. Um, once I decided that journalism was going to be my career path, I just sort of threw myself wholeheartedly into studying that and practicing that and getting better at that. Um, I went to college for journalism. I went to Northwestern um, and and graduated my degree. And, and, and for years, that's what I did. I did. I was a copywriter and I worked in communications and I wrote features for magazines. And I just I just never really thought about fiction. fiction. Like I pu- pushed that way to the back burner um, and just didn't even think about it. Like it was so outside the realm of possibility that I would ever be that kind of, of writer. So then what what brought it back? What brought it bubbling back up to the surface for you? I turned 30 and I just had my first child mm-hmm. and I was freelancing at the time um, because I wanted to um, take care of my kids. Like, I had already decided that when I had kids, I wanted to be the one to take care of my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was freelancing at the time. But I am also a person who likes structure and challenge. And I I realized at one point when I, when I had turned 30 that the only person who had given me this idea that fiction wasn't a thing that I could do was me. Mm-hmm. Um, nobody was stopping me from doing it but me. I was the only one in my own way. And so I was looking for a new challenge and I was looking to stretch myself and I was looking to challenge myself. And I told myself, you know what, this year, what you're going to do is you're going to look for calls for submission for short stories and you're going to work on that. You're going to hone that side of your craft, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you, I, I, had done, I had done nonfiction for years at that point. So I was like, okay, you know what, you're going to stretch some new muscles now. And you're going to try this. Um, so I started writing short stories and I started submitting them to, you know, any calls for submission that I could find. So magazines and um, even competitions. And I ended up winning a local competition um, on like my first time out. Uh, 
And that was a huge boost for me. It was called the DK Dutt um, Award for Literary Excellence. And I ended up winning. Um, and it was such a huge boost and a huge validation and sort of a wake up call that, you know what, like this is something that you can do. You have the ability to do this um, and you should you should explore that more. So once I started doing that, um, I set goals for myself. It's like I want to be accepted in this anthology. I want to do this. I, want to do this. I had a list of goals that I had to accomplish. And then as the next year came on, I was like, okay, you know what? You've accomplished these goals. What's next? And so I decided that my next challenge was write a, write a novel, write something novel length and see what happens. There was no inkling in my head that it was going to be, oh, you know what? I'm going to do this. And I'm going to get an agent. I'm going to sell the book. Like that, that wasn't the plan. The plan was just challenge yourself to tell this story in this format. Um, and so that's what I did. And so when you kind of put that challenge to yourself, did you already have sort of an idea of what you wanted to write about, the topics and and uh, maybe the genre or whatever the case may be, uh, what those writings were going to be uh, out of you, given that it would be some of your first fiction work? I had been thinking about this idea of writing uh, a story set during the May 13th riots, which is what my debut, uh, which is where my debut is set during the May 13th race riots in Kuala Lumpur in 1969. I had been thinking about doing a story um, with that as the backdrop for a very long time. Um, and in fact, around the time that I was thinking about this, there is a post somewhere in the Facebook universe mm -hmm. where... <laughs> I'm basically asking, saying um, this thing in my head can't decide whether it wants to be a short story, a novella, or a novel. Mm. And that's what it was. it was. It was what eventually became The Weight of Our Sky, which eventually became my debut, or will become my debut because it comes out in three weeks. Um, but um, I always knew that I wanted to write young adult uh, because that's a, a demographic that really resonates with me um and I always knew that I, and I for a long time I had been thinking about writing this particular story so I decided to just sit down and do it um there was really no expectation of anything else I just wanted to get the story out of my head it had been bugging me for so long it had been living in my head for so long and I just wanted to get it out on paper um and it just so happened that as I was writing it it kind of took on a life of its own and it started showing me what it needed to be. Uh, so I just kept going. And then by the end or towards the end, I was like, you know, I really should do something with this. <laughs> what am I going to do with this once it's finished? <laughs> and that's when I started researching things like agents and, and publishing and, and things like that, because it, our local scene is very different. There's no literary agents here. Mm -hmm. um, there are very few publishers of English um, mm -hmm. fiction and uh, because there are so few, uh, YA is not uh, its own demographic. Like YA and adults like, kind of get collapsed into each other. Um, so I knew that if I wanted this story to get out there somehow, I would have to go the traditional publishing route. Um, so 
towards the end of completing this book, that's what I decided the goal was going to be, was going to try and actually get it published. And so we started talking about, so let's jump in uh, fully, The Weight of Our Sky, as you mentioned in your <laughs> debut. Uh, so what is this book about? Uh, the Weight of Our Sky is set during the um, race riots of 13th May 1969 in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia, as I mentioned. Um, it's about a 16-year-old girl named Malati, who on the surface of it looks like your normal, regular 16-year-old girl. She hangs out with her best friend. She's obsessed with music. She loves the Beatles. Paul McCartney is her favorite um, you know, they go to the movies, they do all these normal things. You you first encounter her in school, like they do all these normal things. But below the surface, Mulati actually imagines um, it, she's plagued with these gruesome images of her mother's death. And she believes that within her, there is a jinn who holds her mother hostage, like threatens her with images of her mother's death, unless she completes a bunch of counting and tapping rituals to appease him. And so when the riots break out and she finds herself separated from her mother by a city that's basically in flames and all this terrible violence on the streets, um, she has to figure out a way to find her way back to her mother. Basically the only person that she, that matters most to her in the world. Um, and, and so the book is basically set in a week and it's just that journey that she has to take um, overcoming the demons in her own head and the ones that are on the streets. So and that's so, what that's about. And so then what you said, this was an idea uh, and a story that was, that had been with you for quite some time. So what was that maybe initial spark that, that initial kind of pull that, that kind of forced you or brought you into uh, sitting down and writing this story? Well, locally, I had been working for a long time on a narrative nonfiction book about the landscape of mental illness in Malaysia, um, because it's not something that we talk about a lot. Um, there's a lot of stigma still attached to it here. And in particular, there is a lot of conflation between faith and mental illness mm. that makes it difficult to treat, um, especially in more rural areas, but even in urban areas and even till now. So that was something I really wanted to explore. I didn't think that I had seen many books, especially for that age group, that explored those intersections between faith and spirituality and mental illness and what that means for someone who grows up in a certain faith. Um, and in Malaysia, I don't know how true this is everywhere else. But in Malaysia, at least, there is a lot of... Um, there is the tendency to believe that mental illness is the same as spiritual weakness. Mm -hmm. um, and that's something I just really wanted to explore more. I didn't feel like, like that was represented in any of the literature that I had read so far. And so it kind of was a perfect overlap of the things that I wanted to write about. There was... The idea of a girl struggling with a gin, um, which is basically just OCD and anxiety. And there was the idea of the 13th May riots and what happened if I put those two things together. And so with the, the element of the May 13th riots, uh, mm -hmm. and so it has kind of 
a little bit of historic fiction kind of built in the story. Uh, yeah. Did you did you have to uh, really work at how much to explain to the reader that may not be uh, familiar with that event in history? Yes. Um, I struggled with how much context I needed to provide. I didn't want to write a dictionary entry or a Wikipedia entry on May 13th. Like I didn't want it to be so informational and in your face about it. But um, something I really had to work on um, and even through edit through to edits with my with my editor Zarian Jeffrey um, I had to work on weaving that political backstory I guess um, throughout the book rather than trying to just info dump it <laughs> which would have been easier on like the first three pages um, but yeah it was it was kind of a process to have to to really weave that in and and it was kind of eye-opening to have you know your your editor then tell you where others might be missing context mm -hmm. because for for me obviously i i know i live here <laughs> and my oh. parents lived through the riots like so many people i know lived uh, that are in my family lived through the riots um so for me there were things that i didn't necessarily think i had to provide context for that i actually did um that i just didn't I just didn't recognize that, you know, and it was, it was important to have somebody be able to pinpoint, you know, not necessarily, it's, people won't necessarily know about this thing or this thing, and you have to figure out a way to tell them that. <laughs> Absolutely. And so with your kind of background as a journalist, can you, uh, mm -hmm. when it came to both the, uh, you were already exploring mental illness and mm -hmm. uh, you had to kind of relay uh, the historical part of this. Did you really have to kind of fall back on your journalistic skills uh, in writing this work of fiction? Yes, <laughs> uh, definitely. Uh, I approached writing it a lot like uh, I would have approached writing a long form nonfiction piece. So the research that went into it, um, the way that it that I structured it, all of that came from a back like a solid background in in learning how to write nonfiction um, because so much of historical fiction is made up of historical fact uh, that you have to weave in. Um, and I also wanted to make sure that I treated this subject matter in the most respectful way possible. Um, so I really wanted to make sure I nailed every aspect of it. The thing about The Weight of Our Sky is there are so many layers of identity um, built into it. You know, there is what it means to be Malaysian and what it means to be Muslim and faithful and what it means to live with mental illness and what it means to be Malay and what it means to be Chinese and what it means to be, you know, because because Malaysia is made up of so many different ethnicities. Mm -hmm. um, so I was I was very worried about misrepresenting or 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 being disrespectful or, or being outright harmful in any of my portrayals. Um, and so I approached it really, really rigidly, like I was a journalist doing a story. Um, I had, I did first-person interviews with survivors. I, I, you know, read every article and official government paper, and I, I watched movies that were made in the time so that I could get a sense of 
fashion and transportation and all these little things that you know you really have to think about when you are world building a, a place that was real like 50 years ago um because i had to get it right because everyone who lived through those riots like a good number of those people are still alive today and i wanted to make sure i did justice to their memories of the event as well and so you know when you kind of went into this uh it was just <laughs> sort of a challenge for yourself and you kind of said you had no expectations so when yeah <laughs> have you had the chance to kind of step back and reflect on uh just sort of this journey this kind of challenge that you gave yourself and just how far it's come um, from your, you know, your initial expectations of it. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I still don't really believe it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I'll believe it until I see a book in a store, um, which is ridiculous because I'm already doing interviews and stuff sure. for it. So it must be real. Um, but there's, there's a sense of, it's happening to somebody else. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, and I think it's especially true because I'm so far away from where it's sure. actually happening, like where publishing is actually centered and stuff. And I think actually that's good because otherwise I would probably be a lot more anxious than I already am. And I'm already pretty anxious. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, um, but there is a certain sense of unreality to all of Absolutely. this. <laughs> um I still quite can't quite believe it. Sometimes I have to actually tell myself that it's happening to me, not to somebody else, but to me. Um, so yeah, it's it's not a thing that I can believe quite yet. <laughs> understandable, understandable. A question I sometimes like to ask is, mm -hmm. if you could think about it, where if there was a possible way that you could hand uh, the weight of our sky to a mm -hmm. younger version of yourself. What do you think that younger version would think reading this story in this book? I think a younger version of myself would have just been really excited to see our culture and our people and our country represented. Mm -hmm. um, because if you look back, like that first question that you asked me about what book hooked me and all the things that I read when I was younger the thing that you'll notice is that those books are overwhelmingly white. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. There was very little diversity in the things that I was reading. And in fact, I can pinpoint to you the first time that I saw a piece of myself in a book. And it was when I was a child and I was reading Noel Stratfield's Ballet Shoes. And at one point, one of the sisters, Petrova, is talking to a potential new lodger, a new boarder. And he hands her a business card. And it says Kuala Lumpur, Malaya on it. Um, and, he, and she says, that's a very long way away, long enough to be in a geography lesson. That's the first time that I saw mm -hmm. Kuala Lumpur in a book. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it wasn't even... A character, and it wasn't even a major part of the story, but just seeing Kuala Lumpur in a book was enough for me to get so excited, so excited. And that was just a throwaway little detail. Mm. So I think if younger me had gotten a book like this at an age where I was reading books like this, although I'm still reading books like this now, so I don't know what I'm talking about, but like, if younger me had gotten a version of this book back then, 
uh, I think she just would have been over the moon um, excited to see us there, just right there on the page. That's great. That's wonderful. Well, a few questions as we wind things down here. The first one, sure. what is <laughs> your favorite movie that's based on a book? You know, I had to think long and hard about this one. Um, but I think I'm going to go with The Princess Bride. Okay. Um, one of my absolute favorite sort of comfort movies. Sure. Um, still hilarious to me, <laughs> even now. Um, having said that, I just wanted to shout out the recent spate of really excellent YA movie adaptations we've been getting, yeah. um, especially to All the Boys I've Loved Before and Dumplin'. Those were some great yeah. adaptations. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Then the next question, you know, you were a big reader, but is there any books or series that you're willing to admit that you've either never read or never finished? You know, I have never read nor have I watched a full episode of Game of Thrones. Okay. Um, I'm not really sure I ever planned to. <laughs> I, I don't even know why. At this point, it's like a stubborn, like, dig your heels in thing. Like, okay, everybody around me sure. is talking about it. Therefore, I refuse to watch it or read it. Um, and, and my brother tried to convince me. He came over with, like, a stack, like, his his entire collection up until, well, up until, you know, where it is right now. Sure. And he shoved it at me and he was like, you have to read it. If you read Dragonlance and you enjoyed my, like, fantasy stuff and whatever, you should read these. I'm like, eh, Sure. <laughs> Maybe someday. <laughs> that's, that's funny. And then finally, what is the last great book that you've read? The last great book I read uh, was Sadie by Courtney Summers. Okay. Um, it was unlike anything that I've read in a long, long time. It is dark and it is scary and it gets under your skin in a way that you still think about it like days or weeks or months later. Like that book is amazing. That book is, that book is really a special thing. Like I've never, I've never read anything like it. Yes. I've heard good things. Yes. It is amazing. <laughs> I can't believe I finally got around to it. It's been like on every best of 2018 yes. list and I just read it like a couple weeks ago. And then I went on Twitter and yelled at her about it because I was so mad at how good it was. <laughs> well, Hannah, the weight of our sky uh, comes out on February the 5th. And yes, uh, congratulations. And I wish you and the book all the best. Thank you so much. And thank you for having me on your podcast. And that does it for this episode. I want to thank Hannah for joining me. Her book, The Weight of Our Sky, is out now. And I hope you'll get out there and track that book down. I want to thank you for listening to What Book Hooked You. I hope you'll share it with others. I'm Brock Shelley, and until next time, keep reading.